You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. yourself you're on the run with remzo w martinez with 46 percent of americans exhibiting signs of at least one mental illness according to the american psychological association many experts believe that traditional medical mental health mental medical mental medical bleh, you know what i'm saying mental health solutions aren't enough preliminary studies now show that psychedelics could be the key to the mental health crisis just right there, I probably triggered you six ways to Sunday since we're talking about a lot of things, psychedelics, mental illness, and the healthcare industry. And if you've listened to this show, when I've gone on a rant about my experience with the military um, you know, system of healthcare, you, you know I've got some opinions on that. But any, anyway, today we're talking about all this and more with Allied Corp CEO Callum Hughes. He's on the cusp of cutting-edge technology and medical innovations that are becoming one of the world leaders in supplying pharmaceutical companies with organically derived uh, psilocybin and cannabinoid compounds, as well as other organic compounds currently in the early stages of research. Right now, they've got anticipated FDA approvals of this type of therapy that could trigger soaring demand from drug manufacturers for secure supplies of allied organic pharmaceutical compounds. They're not paying for this episode. They didn't give me anything for this episode. They reached out. They've got some amazing things that I feel very passionate about, and we're going to talk about all that and more today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Callum, thank you so much for joining the program today. So in the past, uh, with my listeners and with my readers, we've talked about some of these issues separately. We've talked about mental health as one thing. We've talked about the culture and the mindset and the application of certain pharmaceuticals and drugs in other topics. Usually when you try and jump into this topic with both of those factors in together, uh, it, it creates a lot of mixed emotions for people. People have a very negative opinion of big pharma, an opinion that I think big pharma has earned. When it comes to the drug culture, depending on where you typically jump on uh, you know, the political bandwagon, you're going to have a certain reaction when you hear certain words. And, and I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a square, despite the fact that I'm wearing a tie dye shirt and I've got a goatee. I'm a pretty conservative guy. So when I hear the term, when I hear the word psychedelics, a lot of things come to my head. Hunter Thompson, usually nothing, anything really positive. But right now, what your company is doing is you're trying to really go after the, the heart of many mental health issues. Uh, you know, we, we have a crisis in this country. It's a mental health crisis that a lot of people are now just coming around to understanding is something that didn't just pop up overnight. It's been with us for a while. And when we begin to actually look at psychedelics as a possible 
method of having to, you know, deal with this, rehabilitate ourselves, maybe, you know, find new ways of understanding how our mind works. It, it's a, uh, it's an area that brings about a lot of confusion. So kind of start from the top, uh, for, for most people who are just now trying to understand what it is you're trying to do. Sure. Well, thank you for that amazing introduction. And I'm very thrilled to be here today to talk with you about Allied Corp. We're publicly traded on the OTC under the ticker ALID. Uh, but I very much appreciated your kickoff uh, comments. And my answer to that would be, let's set aside for a moment political views, perceptions, and pace at which legislation is moving. Let's talk about people. Let's bring it back to the people that need this particular medicine. And these are people who have given of their lives to A, serve their country or serve as a first responder, police, fire, ambulance. And that's what I'm in this for. There is a national uh, national thing that's happening in the United States that Allied is trying to bring awareness to. And that is the fact that there is 22 suicides daily in the military cohort alone, given the post-traumatic stress uh, epidemic that's happening across that nation. So Allied was founded with a vision to bring forth natural health and pharmaceutical products to market to initially help post-traumatic stress survivors in the areas of military veterans, police, fire, ambulance. And that has evolved further to include general mental health conditions where the disease targets of refractory depression or hard to treat depression and anxiety are two targets that we're going after globally with our pharmaceutical products. So we have two cannabinoid formulations and one most recently psilocybin formulation under provisional patent. And we're bringing those through our academic research track, uh, both with our agreement with the University of Haifa in Israel to bring it through preclinical research. And then following that with our clinical team in Austria, our contract research organization to bring it through clinical phase one. Now, again, to, to relay back to your original comment, sure, there's perceptions, there's legislation, there's, there's political movement uh, within many countries in the world, but I like to bring it back to the people that need this medicine and also what Allied is trying to bring forth is the academic fortitude and the evidence-informed research so that safety is the fulcrum of the conversation instead of political leverage or or legislation or anything like this. The formulations and the approach to treatment with Silenex RX do not involve any psychotropic effect. These are microdose pharmaceutical levels that provide a medical effect in the physiology of the body. And we're studying the efficacy of these compounds. So that's one out of four verticals in Allied. In addition to that, we have large scale production happening in Colombia, as well as starting to establish our US footprint in the area of, of cannabis, specifically genetically bred for trauma survivors. Secondarily, we have three brands to market in the United States, all hemp derived CBD products that are legal to sell under the farm bill in the United States. We have a veterans brand called Tactical Relief, an athletic brand called Equilibrium Bio, and the third brand is a anti-aging formulation called Maxa. So we've got production, the natural health brands and products, pharmaceuticals, which is what I led with, 
And the fourth is our charitable based activities, which is what my doctorate degree is all centered around empowering individuals to heal within community. So we bring real people suffering with real trauma and experience in their lives to in-person healing retreats. And we teach them about their body and show them a way back to health and wellness. When I got the email discussing what it is you're trying to do and what it is you have done and, and what are working on, um, you know, it, it, it really, it, it really hit kind of like a personal level with me. I've, I've only spoken about it a couple of times, but I'll, I'll go ahead and just kind of give a quick two minute version here for, for people that, you know, have, don't know about it. But back in 2016, I was, I was in a car accident. Um, it was an accident that happened about three months after I was recovering from a concussion that compounded into a traumatic brain injury. So as I was dealing with that, I was then, you know, rear-ended by a vehicle uh, that was going 50 miles an hour while I was at stops, while I was at stoplight. Uh, from there, I mean, it, what, what it did was it, it radically affected my life because not only was the TBI factor exaggerated some more yes. because now I've got basically two concussions stacked on top of each other. What it did was it severely injured the muscles in my neck. And because of that, now I have chronic neck and shoulder pain as well as insomnia and debilitating migraines. And, um, you know, at the time I was an officer in the army national guard and what, what ends up happening is you you really get an idea of what it's like to deal with, um, with, with government healthcare to, to a certain degree. And, you know, I think with, with, Healthcare in the United States is less about fixing the problem and it's more about hiding the pain. And the mm-hmm. amount of medications I was on uh, was was just crazy. I'll still go through old backpacks and stuff, and I'll find uh, prescription bottles for things where I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I don't even remember what this was for. But yeah. depending on which doctor I went to, depending on what I was getting treated at the time, uh, it turned into four years of just you know tinkering with the problem, taking care of a couple of things at a time, and not really fixing the major issue. So, you know, I was dealing with medications for, for muscle spasms, for pain, for migraines, for sleeping, for a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. And eventually over the past year, when I got out of, uh, of the guard, um, you know, I, I began to really reevaluate my health and everything. And what I began to do, and I'm not going to say the, the brands, that, that's not important, but I did begin to take certain CBD products to help yeah. me with that. And because of that, I went from taking two to three different prescription medications a day to maybe taking two or three of those pills individually throughout the month. And now, you know, what, what it's basically done is it's allowed me to get my sleep back. It allows me to actually, you know, take care of the, the pain and the, and the spasms and everything else without losing all of my energy. And and this is a product that frankly, you know, uh, five, six years ago, I had a very negative opinion on, I thought everything was just a gateway over to pot or something else. But I'm largely seeing, especially with the veterans community is that this is, this is medicine and that we're still trying to figure more about this now because it, it's just become one of those things that I feel that academia and really the, the public at large throughout North America is starting to look at and say, you know what, I, I think we need to do a little bit more digging about it because the positives seem to outweigh any negatives that exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and very good, very good points. And first and foremost, thank you for your service. Thank you. And that story is all too common. 
what we're seeing is uh, that no one pill wonder approach works either for long-standing chronic pain or withstanding long-term trauma experience. What we're talking about is a parasympathetic response to an overload of stimuli. So pretend I'm really stupid. What is that? <laughs> what does okay, that mean? So put it this way. If I was to shine a very bright light on your eye, Initially, you're going to think it's bright, but it, after the third hour of that remaining shining on your eye, it gets unbearable to the point where it increases and increases and increases. So there's these little chemicals in your brain between your neurons called neurotransmitters. And the more stimulus that a either a pinch nerve or a, even a paper cut or heat cold the more stimuli that goes up your spinal cord into your brain, the faster those little chemicals move between neurons and it's called excitability. So with chronic pain or with ongoing trauma, you have this consistent stimulus going up the spinal cord to the brain and it's sensory. People think it's mechanical, like a pulled muscle or like an elastic band being stretched in your body, but it's parasympathetic, meaning that it's, it's a sensory overload where the first thing we need to do as clinicians with chronic pain or ongoing trauma is settle the, and settle and reset the nervous system so that you can build some capacity to be able to buffer a stimulus. So I've got 360 pound Green Beret veteran US Army guys saying when the broom handle falls, they're jumping off the floor because they're just so heightened. Whereas what we do is teach and educate and, and walk people through activities to first reset your nervous system, calm that parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system so that you can deal with the stimulus as it comes up. And this is what cannabidiol CBD does. It acts on your CB1, CB2 receptor to, uh, and, as an anti-inflammation agent, as well as it calms your nervous system so that you can take in an extra stimulus if it's presented in your normal daily life. Whereas chronic pain, people go to their normal nine to five workday and they can't handle what they may have normally been able to handle pre-car pre accident or something like this. So that's, that's the best way for me to kind of give color to what's actually happening in the human body where if you drink, you drink alcohol and self-medicate or these, these chronic pain, highly addictive pharmaceuticals, they mask the pain and, and, and the trauma, they don't get to the heart. And so what, what we do at allied, we were providing the foundational research, proving this from an academically statistically significant standpoint, that this is working. It's a holistic approach where it, it borrows elements of, of, of healing modalities where it's not sitting around in a drum circle chanting. That's too far on the spectrum, but it's not taking an oxycodone pill either. And that's on the other side of the spectrum. We're taking elements and putting the person at the center and surrounding them with an integrated health team and providing a holistic approach to recovery and healing. So it, it's pretty exciting. And I mean, the market in the United States talking business now 
for us to produce low, low cost cannabis, five cents a gram in Colombia. I'm seeing actions like the MORE Act, Safe Banking Act, the Marijuana Expungement Act coming forth and approved through the House in the United States. I'm excited about the idea of U.S. legalization, and that's what I'm focused on. Large-scale, low-cost production, Colombia, the U.S. market, the largest market in the world, and and, uh, the filter from which we're approaching all of this is the dire need that's that the United States military service first responders are facing. They need this medicine. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that I feel is going to influence the public mindset in the United States is when we begin to really observe what our neighbors are doing. When you look at what Mexico did in mm. terms of marijuana and cannabis, when you look at what Canada has been doing specifically, uh, you know, I think they're about like, you know, five to 10 years ahead of where, where we're currently at. And I think primarily what we're dealing with is we're dealing with uh, a cartel of big regulators and big corporate power, uh, you know, not not to get all into that. But I mean, going back a few uh, moments, you know, you were talking about people who were having to deal with, you know, high stress environments, uh, the effect it has on their anxiety, the impact of depression. I mean, that's another thing that, um, you know, I, I don't get into too much detail about often, but, you know, I, I feel okay talking about it now, but I was on antidepressants for about a year. I was on Lexapro. Uh, I got to see what that was dealing with. And that was, a, that was a result of dealing with a, a situation where my body was turning on me after that accident, after, after dealing with all of that recovery, it affected me emotionally. Yes. And, you know, I, I got to meet a lot of other people that were undergoing a lot of the same medications. In some cases, they were on Prozac and other more, you know, um, you know, stronger, more stringent medications. But I mean, for for like a few months, I began to feel a benefit. I'm not against antidepressant use, but you know, they tried to get me to be on that way, way longer. And I'm like, okay, is the, is the point of this now that I take this for the rest of my life? Like, is this, is this it? Like if I stop taking this, am I just going to go back to it? Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I haven't been on that for about two, three years now, but that that's another issue. It's like, we go ahead and we prescribe these medications. And then the idea is, well, you know, you just take it in perpetuity. You just take it until, you know, maybe you just stop one day or maybe your insurance runs out or something. And, you know, it, it creates this dependency factor that doesn't help people. And, sure. and when it comes to a lot of these other products, such as the the line that, um, you know, your, your company is trying to get out to mass market, uh, the, the idea has always been, you know, we don't need to go ahead and mask people. We don't need to go ahead and just pump yes. serotonin and hopefully that does it. I mean, yes. when it comes to cannabis and everything else, like this is from the earth. Like it was here yeah. for us, whether you believe in God or, you know, whatever, this is of the earth. It wasn't created in, in a lab. So obviously yeah. we should look at nature and think, you know, maybe the solution is here. Maybe it, it's more than just something that kids do to get high. Maybe there's something more to it. Well, and that's what we're trying to get to the crux of is the actual evidence-informed, academically supported efficacy within the body through the pharmaceutical research. Now, what you alluded to, every substance that you'll consume, pharmaceutical, et cetera, there's something that's called downregulation, where if you take something every day, you need to start taking more and more to get the same effect. And so there's this downward spiral of the of some of these drugs that they're very addictive, but also create dependency for mental health or, or ongoing sustainability of the effect that you first got when you first went on this. So what we've 
done is we've got a novel approach to our treatment. Now there's our under trademark Silenex is our psilocybin uh, formulation. And the intended treatment regime is to go and provide for washout periods so that the person does not get dependent um, and there's no down regulation in, in the body. So the Silenex RX is a 60 day treatment. Is, is that kind of like withdrawal? No, it would be uh, uh, to, to just so that the the receptors, that, not to bore you with the science, but the 5-HT2 receptor is the target for a psilocybin compound in the brain. And uh, if you overload that receptor, same with the antidepressants. If you, if you uh, overload the nicotinic receptor, which is involved with serotonin, serotonin reuptake, then it becomes less sensitive. So what we do is provide a washout period where the person's not taking these very low doses every single day. Um, but then following 60 days, we, that we, that, that's all that's needed to see a clinical effect. And then we have our cannabidiol based, we call it Silenux daily, which maintains the parasympathetic anti-inflammation and all of the health benefits that we all know go along with CBD. So, so this is the novel approach that Allied is bringing to the, to the forefront. And uh, the anecdotal evidence has been phenomenal where I can't tell you how many times the story that you shared, and thank you for sharing and being open, that that same parallel story has been told to me. And with Silenex RX followed by Silenex Daily, these people have been able to discard the, their SSRIs or antidepressants that have been on for years and the results have been, are, are being sustained. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I'm at a point in my life now where, you know, what happened to me is not anywhere close to what has happened with some of the people I served with in the army. And, you know, I have friends mm -hmm. across branches and, uh, I have a close family friend who, who was in the Marine Corps. He served in Fallujah and, mm -hmm. uh, he, he sustained a very, very severe injury and he became addicted to Oxycontin. It, sure. it almost took his life. I mean, in, you know, in the South, we call it hillbilly heroin because yeah. it used to be, we're only going to do that for people that have very, very severe injuries, like people that lost a limb, people that have severe uh, trauma to their body or something. And, mm -hmm. and in some circles, you know, in, in the inner city specifically, what you have, or, or you have, I think they're called, um, they're, they're, they're called oxy shop, oxy shops or something like that. I think mm -hmm. I saw a documentary where they called it, uh, where basically you just have these doctors that realize, you know, I could just go ahead and write prescriptions for Oxycontin all day and I can make a ton of money off of that because people just okay. come here. They just want the drugs. I'll go ahead and do that. And, and what it does to you know, what it does to people who genuinely need help is it makes the situation far worse. And what it that should be criminal for him. So I think, it, well, I mean, you it know, is, it, it, it is, but for a lot of people, they ignore it and they keep thinking, oh, well, let's just go after the doctors. But what people don't realize is that, you know, the, the pharmaceutical industry incentivizes that type of behavior. Doctors sure. get kickbacks too. And no one sure. likes to talk yeah. about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I mean, it's, it's exciting to see the movement as well. You know, in the United States, the market is very alive <clears throat> and just the economic impact and benefit that cannabis legalization can have. I mean, uh, 2020, some statistics from Forbes where uh, there were sales of 17.5 billion in 2020 with, with the current market because not all 
sales are reported, given the fractured sort of state-by-state uh, -state legalization, they estimated more, more of $100 billion. And state-by-state, -state, Colorado sales were up 26%. You know, COVID really provided an increase in, in sales with, with marijuana sales in the United States. Colorado, $2.2 billion. Oregon, $1.1 billion, up 29%. California, the leader at 3.5 billion, and Nevada is at an 800 million, which, which, which is approaching a billion dollar market just in that state alone. So, we're very much uh, following a supply chain where, you know, if you draw a parallel to, uh, let's talk about coffee. Most of the world's best coffee, Colombia grown. Starbucks does not grow their coffee in the Seattle region. It's all grown in South America and then shipped to the United States. Why are we doing this with, why aren't we doing this with cannabis? Whereas most cannabis is grown in a very expensive, capital heavy indoor warehouse uh, and then sold into the market. Whereas the Colombian environment, there's one season all year round. So I can harvest every Friday, consistent supply. It's 25 degrees, 60, 80% humidity. And uh, thereby, I can supply consistent, high-quality, low-cost product, and um, you know we're moving much more towards a supply chain where uh, we're not needing to do these capital-intensive indoor uh, warehouse-type production environment anymore, and it's moving much more towards being a commodity, right? What what is the biggest obstacle you must face? And and I, I I can't imagine what it's like to be in your position because I'm just trying to spitball and think of all the different, you know, barriers to entry that you would that you probably have to deal with. But would you say it's it's more of like the regulatory and legal side in terms of access to the market? Or would mm. you say it's like the the, the medical field dealing with, you know, medical professionals who either have a very outdated opinion of this type of stuff and sure. they think the science is solved or they don't want to look more into it. Or in my more pessimistic view, you're dealing with scientists who are basically representatives for some of these pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, good question. So, I mean, I'll categorize the answer from the production vertical. Let's talk statistics. Again, there's over 700 licenses that were issued in Colombia. 60 of those actually got their genetics registered. And then that took Allied 14 months to go off and you, you're allowed to harvest 600 plants um, and then make a presentation to the National Ministry of Justice and Agriculture. Allied was able to successfully uh, obtain approvals for 20 out of 20 strains, which was the first company ever to achieve this result. So now let's talk about approval for export. So seven, over 700 licenses, only 60 made it through to seed um, registration. Uh, there's uh, uh, only a handful have been approved for export and less than that who have actually executed. So Allied is in, we've been approved for two international markets in North America. Uh, to export and where our product is ready to ship. So we, we've, we've, our, the, the, the achievements and milestones that we've been able to accomplish kind of speak to the competence of the production team. Now, moving to pharmaceutical development, uh, the national laws in the United States kind of handcuff sign, have handcuffed scientists from being able to, to touch the plant until recent, where many states, it wasn't legal, 
to even conduct research because of because of the national laws that were happening. So what what has moved to move to changing that legislation is a grassroots movement because of people's stories and anecdotal evidence of, of the medical benefit of this plant. And so I believe, and I'm seeing actions uh, with with Senator Booker from New Jersey, uh, Wyden from Oregon, and Chuck Schumer from New York. They they're at, they've actually been tasked uh, to form the the Senate subcommittee for criminal justice and, and counterterrorism to actually draft the legalization amendment. So it, the, the the amendment's being drafted, and so we're get, we're getting signs that us is definitely moving closer and closer to that legalization and here's the benefit you hear we want to ban menthol cigarettes right what's that joe biden recently went out and said he wants to ban menthol cigarettes so i mean i feel like we're, we're in a pretty schizophrenic state and i'm <laughs> I, i'm i'm pretty I, i'm pretty politically apathetic like you know okay. there were things i liked about trump there were things i didn't like about trump there's sure. not- that's what I yeah. like about Joe Biden, and I like the fact that Joe Biden doesn't know what Joe Biden is doing half the time. So there's that. But like with Ron Wyden, he, he's been doing this for a while. I really like him. Uh, Cory Booker has been very consistent on this issue. I yeah. look at Chuck Schumer, and I remember the fact that he put in uh, you know, the Silk Road's Ross Ulbright in jail for forever, basically. So okay. it's one of these situations where it's like you know, one, one minute we're saying, okay, we're going to go ahead and push for the legalization of marijuana and, and other uh, – um, and other drugs within that schedule class. But at the same time, we're going to go ahead and just try and outright ban other things. Now, don't get me wrong. As somebody that used to smoke cigarettes, I'm certainly not telling people to do that, but they should have a choice in these things. And so we want to go ahead and make one thing that's currently illegal legal, and then we want to make another thing that's currently legal illegal. So right now, I'm trying to look at this environment, and I'm trying to get an understanding of the mindset of the administration and what the bureaucrats are trying to push out. And I really don't understand what's going on. Yeah, I mean the cannabis plant is politically agnostic where they, it 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 does not take sides. The momentum's building and I think the writing's on the wall. I mean, overwhelmingly, Republicans, independents, Democrats, every year when it's polled, um, everyone is in favor of either decriminalization or full right recreational legalization. And when you look at the state level, I don't think there's a single state uh, so far that when it's been put to a ballot initiative, which is the people get a direct vote on it, it hasn't passed. Now, some places like Washington State, you know, they're 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 legalizing everything. Uh, That makes me a little bit worried, but you know, if you own your body, go for it. But when it yeah. comes to this other stuff, it's like, you know, we, we have this, this, this crisscross approach to it We're, you know, Washington state is going to say, okay, for the citizens, go do all the cocaine and stuff you want now. Meanwhile, we still got the ATF and the DEA and the FBI going around and getting into fight with local law enforcement because they're not, you know, uh, arresting somebody that has a plant in their backyard that happens to be. Legal. See, I, I don't really agree with Carp watch where it's just every, like even schedule one drugs, heroin, cocaine. I mean, cocaine is actually used in a medical sense in some hospitals at low, low doses as well as lidocaine. But, you know, with controlled substances such as heroin, no proven medical benefit. Uh, I am a true believer in, in substances such as cannabis and psilocybin being available to people only with the pharmaceutically backed academic, academically fortified evidence to guide doctors and people 
who are who are choosing what to put in their bodies, the levels uh, that are needed to provide medical benefit. You know, Oregon is the first state to legalize psilocybin, but in saying that, I mean, they they legalized last November. They put a call out for uh, for expert advisors to sit on a statewide panel. So it'll take them a year to figure out their uh, their window for for um, applying for licenses and whatnot. So I mean, it's early days in psilocybin, and it, it'll it'll move slow, much as cannabis did, state by state. Um, but I think pharma is waking up to uh, the medical efficacy of these these substances and molecules. And that's what Allied's after is finding it a disease, a disease target, uh, drug indication, uh, so that we can actually use these products to what nature intended, and that's the medical benefit. So, for people that want to look more into your products because they're they're taking already a whole cabinet's worth of pills right now, um, really, who who are these products for? Do you have a set type of you know, customer, patient you're looking at. We've already gone through some examples, but really um, for people that just want to look more into it, you know, what, what's that What's that starting point for them? So the CBD-based products are available on our e-commerce site, as well as we're getting distributed across the nation in, in the U.S., all tactical relief, equilibrium, and Maxa. Um, but the psilocybin-based products, they're an RX a prescription under a doctor's supervision in the United States, not available currently in Canada, you can be granted a section 56 exemption under health Canada to be able to be prescribed this medicine by a doctor. So it's very much controlled. Um, but I mean, the, the, the person profile would be, you know, depression, anxiety, and PTSD are, are the disease targets that we're going after globally. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Cal, we, we've covered a lot of ground today yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm through my questions. I think the one thing I really want to do is get people connected. If they want to learn more about what Allied is doing, uh, you know, your research, your, your news and your products, especially, how could they learn more? Well, you can go to our website at allied.health, but you probably get more information on the OTC markets page under the ticker ALID. We're a publicly traded company on the OTC exchange and uh, all of our press releases and information's there. So that, that's probably the best indication. Gotcha. And I'm going to make it even easier for people. I'm just going to go ahead and link to everything in the show notes. So folks, if you want to go ahead and learn more about that, you can just go ahead and click on the show notes for this episode and I'll have everything hyperlinked there to make it way, way easier for you. Anyway, uh, Callum, thank you so much. This is a topic that I, I want more people to be open about because, uh, you know, the, the people that need this type of help, that need this medicine, they either don't want to talk about it, they're afraid to look into it, or they're afraid of the stigma behind it. But the more we talk about it, the more we're going to go ahead and not only help ourselves, but help others in the process. Because this is a this is an epidemic. It's, a you know, I said at the beginning of the show, we're dealing with a mental health crisis. But, I mean, this didn't just start yesterday. Yeah. This is something that we've been dealing with for what I think forever. And it's about time that we come to terms with it and the best solutions to encountering it. Sure. Thank gotcha. you. Not a problem. Well, Callum, thank you so much for joining the program. Uh, anytime you have any updates or anything, please let me know. I'd love to have you back on. Yeah, we'll do. Thanks for having me. 
Not a problem. Folks, it costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. A five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the show can go ahead and make sure that conversations like this get out to as many people as possible. As always, you can find me on Twitter and everywhere else across the amazing internet at HeyRemso, H-E-Y-R-E-M-S-O. And as always, be good, be safe, and I'll talk to you later. Good night. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Like the Chris Spangle Show, Liberty Explained, The Brian Nichols Show, The Boss Hog of Liberty, Freedom Strips with Keaton Tucker, On the Run with Rimzo Martinez, Gingerarchy with Trisha Stewart Mann, Upward Libertarian Activism, and now hear this. Tune in now and we're going to help you sound smarter when talking with your friends. 